open line. You're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, 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 I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, Area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're gonna um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, what what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with uh, they they are not what they claim they to be uh, they have infiltrated a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the disasters that are coming, they... The, the military... I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now are... But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want one major population center wiped out. So that the, the few that are left left will be more. Discharge. <laughs> What the fuck is up, world? What's up? We're back. Another podcast. Post Game of Thrones series finale. I got plenty of thoughts on that shit. Some good, mostly bad. I think at least up until now, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it, a lot of retrospection, a lot of introspection, and I'm starting to come around maybe just a little bit more. But um, yeah, before we get into any of that, I guess I should qualify it by saying two things. The first of one being that it's not going to be a Game of Thrones cast like the last time. I just, it's, it's, I haven't had enough time to heal, okay? This fucking show, as dramatic as it might sound, my little fucking sad boy coming through, right? As dramatic as it might sound, it really was a huge part of my life for the last 10 years, like I'm sure it was for many of y'all, right? Um, and I just, I haven't had the proper time to heal yet from the fact that not only is it over, but more importantly that they fucking did my girl Daenerys Stormborn so dirty, so dirty, right? But like I said, I'm slowly starting to come around and accepting the fact that again, it's over and that maybe, maybe the ending wasn't as bad as my initial reaction led me to believe, right? Um, the second thing that I need to mention, of course, like with every other fucking podcast is, yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. Follow me on social media, right? New Instagram account name being, of course, OG underscore Ice Nice 13, right? I promise I'm going to get on that Twitter shit soon. 
I need to. It's only going to help me personally, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, for the people who are out there in the Twitterverse, just wait, motherfuckers. I'm going to get to y'all soon, right? But for now, trying to make this fucking Instagram shit happen a little bit more than it has been recently. But that's a different conversation for another day, right? For today, I have in mind getting back to some actual serious philosophy, right? And I'm going to try to interlace it as much as I possibly can with some pop cultural references, some political references, some overall life references in general. But the reality is it's going to be a very, I think at least, heavy philosophy podcast. And not heavy in the sense that it's going to, I'm not going to fucking bludgeon you to death with like technical academic terms and shit, but heavy in the sense of the concepts that we're going to be, that I'm going to be discussing today, right? And specifically, what I'm going to be discussing is what is known as the absurd, the philosophy of the absurd as made famous, at least in the Western tradition by one of my favorite sad boys of all time, Albert Camus, right? Speaking of sad boys, I guess I'll give a quick little shout out to my boy, Raleigh Ritchie. He's not really my boy, right? But I've really gotten into his music lately. Raleigh Ritchie, more famously known, of course, as Grey Worm from the Game of Thrones series, right? I get bogged down in the mundanity. A fellow sad boy, according to him. Um, and obviously, uh, there's my little Game of Thrones reference coming in, all right? I'm, again, it really has been weighing heavily on my conscience, so I'm going to try to go as much as I can on this podcast without discussing it too much, right? But the fact that I just bring it up tangentially in the middle of talking about the absurdity of it all is indicative of just how it's been impacting me. Like, yo, I feel fucking embarrassed to actually admit this shit but it's true man like i've been obsessing about it so hard my girlfriend actually made fun of me the other day she was like really dude again you're gonna talk about this and i said yes i cannot stop i must keep discussing this until it makes sense right of course being that a game of thrones uh anyways going back to the absurdity of it all Camus, um the sad boy part this is why i bring up the raleigh richie because if you visit his instagram profile he says that he himself has a phd in sad boy and when i fucking saw that shit it made me laugh so fucking hard right because i was like yo fucking same dog right and in the interest of full disclosure it's probably the absurdity of existence that is the cause for much of my sad boy life to begin with right and i know i've mentioned it before uh maybe not in too much depth but I know I've mentioned it before, not just the sad boy part, but the whole the, the mundanity of existence, the absurdity of existence of it all being the primary catalyst for this. But we're really going to get into it here today. Right. And so I guess the best way to do so is by explicitly stating at least what this Camusian character is going to refer to as the absurdity of existence. And that is, again, our desire to seek meaning in an inherently in an inherently meaningless universe. That is just a fancy way of saying that every day we wake up thinking that everything that we're doing has any sort of meaning and purpose, but the universe itself seemingly doesn't seem to have at least any meaning or purpose. I say at least because some of y'all might be religiously inclined and that's a whole different topic for a whole nother day, right? But even if you are religiously inclined, the, re the reality of the matter is that the laws of physics are pretty unforgiving of our your religious inclinations, right? So a religious faith in and of itself it also falls victim to the absurdity because we realize just how absurd it is, for instance, to believe in a metaphysical entity that for one, absolutely, for sure, cannot be proven with any at least scientific means, right? But more importantly, too, 
that just cannot possibly exist within the known universe that, you know, that is beholden to the laws of physics, right? Now, in the interest of fairness, there is a philosopher who is going to take this challenge and he actually predates Camus by considerably quite a bit. And he's going to say that, yeah, you know what? That's the whole essence of faith. You know, uh, uh, having faith, it, 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 it's a leap. It's, it's an absurdity, it's, right? It's irrational to have faith, but that's the whole, the notion of faith is that it can be proven. And thus we must make a leap to faith, right? The absurdity and just assume that at best hope, have faith that God does exist, right? This is not the Camusian philosophy. That's Kierkegaard. One of my favorite philosophers too, by the way, right? Despite the fact that he is a Christian and that I, well, for all intents and purposes, I'm not a Christian, right? Um, but a lot of what he says is actually some pretty deep shit. But before we get into all that, we're going to have to take a little quick detour through this Camusian interpretation of the absurdity. Now, I qualify it by saying the Camusian absurdity because obviously indigenization, decolonization, all that kind of shit, right? And if we're being real fucking honest, the Mexica philosophy, one of the reasons, it's really weird. Like, just let me, let me backtrack before I get into this, right? There are some philosophers that I've encountered along my trajectory of philosophy that I felt like I have a really close affinity to, right? Obviously, Kierkegaard is just one of them, as I mentioned. Camus is another one, right? There's another one. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to say it, but the reality is like, I, I've, I actually fucking love his philosophy. It's unfortunate because ugh, the dude was kind of a Nazi, right? But despite the fact that he was a Nazi... There's no question there's even Jewish people around his, you know, his contemporaries who admitted as such that is one of the more important philosophers that came along, came along during the 19th century, right? His gentleman, gentleman, this asshole by the name of fucking uh, Heidegger, right? Um, and it's only until recently that I started to realize that one of the reasons I actually feel absolved of this now, so I guess I don't feel too bad for admitting the fact, but having realized as I got deeper into the, the Nahuatl philosophy specifically, that basically the reason I was so drawn to this Heideggerian philosophy initially is because it's basically, it was Nahuatl philosophy. Nahuatl philosophy pre predated Heidegger by fucking hundreds, if not a thousand years or more, right? Uh, and that's not hyperbole. That's just the reality of the fact that these philosophies were long established, long before, you know, the European colonizers came to the fore. And 400 years later that Heidegger was talking about it is not indicative of how long it had already been established in the Nahuatl tradition. Now, for sure, the Nahuatl themselves obviously weren't fucking Nazis, right? But one thing that they did have to say a lot, and something I'll talk about later in, you know, in explicit detail once I get into the Nahuatl uh, section of the hood philosophy, is just being in general, how it's all one thing, right? They're going to refer to it as Omeotel, Omeoteotel, right? Um, Teotel in general, I should say even more specifically, because I guess the Omeoteotel is actually kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, not a controversy per se, but it's kind of an oxymoron because it, I'm, I'm saying the same word twice, essentially, right? In this um, Nahuatl language. So it's basically Teotel and then all facets of existence that take place that are part of Teotel expressing itself, whether it be through human form, whether it be through animal form, tree form, weather form, etc. Right. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a gist. That's kind of the gist of this Heideggerian philosophy, which wants to just basically tell us there's just being right. And different facets of being for, you know, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm butchering it, but I haven't spiffied up on it in a long time. I don't need to, because obviously the not what philosophy has replaced it for me. And the Teotel aspect is what's most important. Anger, sadness, grief, joy, happiness, your dog, your daughter, you, all that kind of stuff are just expressions of Teotel, right? So when I say Omeo Teotel, it's kind of a redundancy. It's just one thing, Teotel, right? Anyways, coming back to this whole Camusian philosophy and now being informed by the Nahuatl approach, I realized that Camus himself was kind of this Nahuatl philosopher, right? And one of the reasons why I say so, 
Now, I'm not trying to make this, I'm not trying to make a stance. I'm not trying to just defend this. I just get the the I get the the feeling sometimes when I'm reading through his Camusian philosophy. He reminds me a lot of, you know, some of what the Nawa philosophy has to say, specifically this book right here that I'm holding up. For those of you who are listening audio only, it's the myth of Sisyphus, right? Uh, one of the biggest problems, the philosophical dilemmas in Nawa philosophy is impermanence. We live in an impermanent universe. In fact, they're going to refer to this land, this earth that we're living on as Tlaktik Bak. Wow, my my Nahuatl is terrible right now. It's not fucking much to begin with, but I am not pronouncing it at all in the way that it needs to be pronounced. So I apologize for that, right? Especially for you uh, Nahuatl speakers that might be listening to this, but Tlaktik Bak essentially is this dreamlike existence that we are living on here in planet Earth, right? And the dreamlike aspect comes from the in, in, inability to establish any sort of permanence in this reality. Fucking nothing is permanent. It's one of the facets of Teotel, right? It's always changing. It's in constant state of flux. It's an, it's a dynamic non-agentive force, meaning it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a, it doesn't necessarily have a thought process behind it, right? It's not like Teotel is coming along and saying, let's fuck up your life today because you deserve to have your life fucked up. And then in three months time, we're going to come back around and make up for it by making your life awesome. No, that's not how it works. It just it just is. It's the natural process of unfolding. It's the natural process of becoming, right? And in this process of unfolding and becoming, there unfortunately is no permanence. There's no fucking permanence at all whatsoever. And that is perhaps the most devastating uh, facet of Teotel and his Nahuatl philosophy, right? Because it's like, fuck, dude, why am I born into this earth? Why am I born into this life that is just going to be taken away from me? Why am I born into a universe that is in a fucking constant state of flux and where there is no absolutes? Because, you know, this is actually very important in regards to the last podcast that I did, Fire and Blood, for those of you who aren't keeping along in, you know, numerical order. But the idea here being in that is that in the absence of any sort of absolutes, there's kind of no fucking meaning or purpose at all whatsoever. Right. So going back to this whole absurd, the absurdity that Camus was referencing is like, yeah, we have this fucking inherent desire. We as people to fucking seek meaning and purpose in an inherently meaningless and purposeless universe. Right. And this is fucking devastating. This is fucking awful. This is sad. This is some sad shit. Right. Hence the whole sad boy life. Whenever you hear me referencing shit like, oh, sorry uh, for the, the, the delay in the podcast. It's having a little fucking sad boy life, right? But I, I've bounced back. That's basically what it's referring to because I myself fall victim, like undoubtedly you most likely do as well, to the absurdity on quite, uh, quite often, right? Maybe you never had the words to articulate it, but I'm sure many of you, uh, myself, like I'm not the only one for sure. Obviously there's a reason why Camus is so famous, right? But I'm speaking specifically to the people who are listening to this right now, right? Maybe you've experienced this yourself before and you've just never really had the words to explicate it. But now that we're learning the philosophy, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, dude, I know exactly what that's like, right? This general fucking sense of, damn, another day gone by. Like, what the fuck did I do with this day? Wasn't it just morning? It's already nighttime. And this nighttime is exactly the same as the nighttime before. I'm doing the same fucking thing over and over and over again. I'm going to fucking wake up. I'm going to do my morning hygienical routine. I'm going to fucking eat my breakfast. I'm going to get ready to go to work. I'm going to fucking drive to work in one direction. I'm going to be at fucking work for an X amount of time. I'm going to take my quick little break for my lunch, however long it may be. I'm going to eat my food. I'm going to get my workout in, whatever it is that we do at lunchtime, right? I'm going to go back to work, work for another predetermined amount of time. Then I'm going to get back in my fucking vehicle and join all the other people in traffic and driving in the exact opposite direction from whence we came 
eight hours ago to go back home and do the exact same thing that we did prior to coming coming to work, but in reverse order, only to get ready to go to sleep and get ready to do it all over again the very next day. And inevitably, after a while, we start to ask ourselves, well, hopefully, if you haven't yet, maybe with this podcast, you will. What the fuck is it all for? Like, what am I doing all this shit for? For one, none of it fucking matters. How do I know none of it matters? Because there is no absolute established truth. There is everything is constantly in a state of flux. And with everything in a constant state of flux, I can't fucking set roots down. I can't fucking ground myself to this earth. And thus I find myself like in this fucking cycle where the older I get, the faster it seems to be going till I'm fucking spiraling head first into the fucking the the the, the abyss, right? The 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 warm embrace of nothingness that is slowly welcoming us all, right? It's entropy, if you will. It's just waiting for us all. And it's like we, we're, we're, we're spiraling head first into it with these fucking cycles of behavior. And we've never paused to consider, A, why am I stuck on this cycle of behavior? B, what is the catalyst that put me in this cycle of behavior? But more importantly, what the fuck is it all for? Right. So again, this whole sad boy life, the fucking Camusian philosophy, the Nawa philosophy. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but it, I promise you will hopefully come together a little bit more clearer in the next 45 minutes or so. Pause for a quick water break. I got to get really good. I got to figure out what the fuck I'm going to have to I, I research and shit what radio DJs do when it comes time for water breaks. I apologize. I know those shits are annoying. I was listening through my own podcast last week. Specifically, I took three of those motherfuckers and I at certain points was like, yo, did I, did my podcast just turn off? Oh no, wait, shithead. You just took a fucking coffee break and you had nothing but dead air. So I apologize. Right now, getting back to this philosophy. Okay. I'm going to focus specifically on the Camusian aspect of it, but I will inevitably get back to the Nahuatl aspect because obviously it is what has most influenced me recently. Even though I discovered Camus first, the Nahuatl philosophy is what has most had the most, the, the grandest impact, but there's really no way to continue. I mean, there is plenty of ways that I could continue this podcast, but I thought this was the perfect way. This is a good, this is a good, um, it's a good bridge, right? From where the foundational aspect of Hood, the, the El Grito uh, podcast has taken us so far to the little, you know, Games of Thrones cast to where uh, where we are going to be moving forward. And that is actually covering the fucking philosophy that if you were taking my philosophy class, you were not all of it. There's going to be parts that I leave out. Part of it, I have to. Right. Um, and there's going to be parts actually that I include that I unfortunately can't cover in my class. Right. Uh, and the reason I can't cover it in my class is because despite the fact that we have academic freedom, it's still a professional environment. And there's just some things that I cannot, you know, it, not, not that I'm trying to keep things away, but there's certain aspects of my personality, for instance, that I cannot reveal in a classroom, mostly because out of fear of biasing the course, but also because, you know, uh, a lot of the shit that I say on the podcast, for instance, like their curse words, it's a professional environment. You understand how that goes, right? Anyways, I'll start off first with this idea of the shadow self, Right. And according to this Camusian philosophy, right, I guess before we even get into the shadow self, let's get fucking one thing real clear just so we can continue to drive point the whole purpose of the sad boy life, right? And that is for Camus, the only question that philosophy and by proxy philosophers and those of you who are listening to this podcast, I consider you an either actual, you know, whether you are an actual philosopher or if you're not, I would consider you an amateur philosopher, one in the making. And I promise if you continue along the journey with me, you're the only, there's the sky's the limit, right? Um, but what he's going to want to ask us is that what he's going to want to tell us even 
is that the only question that we as philosophers, so you, should be concerned with is whether or not we should kill ourselves, right? Now, upon initial reading, this might seem like a very facetious question to be asked, to, 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 to ask, right? It's like a very edge boy, little edgy boy question to be asking. It's something you would expect a fucking troll on social media to be asking. Oh, my life is so sad. I should just kill myself, right? LOL, right? Um, but once we start to peel back the layers a little bit, this question actually starts to reveal itself for what it really is worth, right? And the basic idea is, well, before I get deeper into the philosophy, let's just qualify it by asking what the scenario that I just explained was about, you know, getting ready to go to work and shit and then coming back and doing it all over for the next, you know, 40 years of our lives, five days a week, for, you know, for 40 hours a week, for 40, 50, maybe 60 even years, depending on how early you started working. At what point are we going to stop and ask ourselves, like, what's the point of all this? And why am I even doing this? At what point in our suffering, going back to the podcast, the Fire and Blood podcast, at what point do we ask ourselves, what is the point of all this suffering? And why am I continuing to suffer knowing full well that at the end of it all, I'm just going to die anyways, right? And if that's the case, why don't I just fucking kill myself instead? Instead of having to deal with all this bullshit, why not just commit suicide? I know that the fucking universe is meaningless. I know that it has no meaning. It has no purpose, etc. So why continue to struggle to find meaning and to give meaning, try to seek to give meaning at least to my life, knowing full well that meaning is not going to be had, right? So with that in mind, we ask ourselves, what reasons are there, if any, not to commit suicide, right? This is a very deep question, man. It's a question that I fucking struggle with all the time. Uh, just talking about it, maybe you can notice all my little nervous tics, whether it be the shaking of my voice or the fucking scratching of my fucking forehead, for those of you who are watching on video, right? But it's a very serious question. And it's the, it, on top of the question of the impermanence of it all, the question that I ask myself most consistently that leads to the whole sad boy life. And that is, dude, like, why? Why do I fucking bother continuing to do this? Like, it fucking is meaningless. It's purposeless. I didn't ask to be born. I didn't fucking, I damn sure didn't ask to die. Like, that shit's haunting. It's fucking terrifying. It's inevitable. So why fucking belay the process? Now, before you all fucking get all up in arms and ready to call the fucking emergency hotline for me and be like, yo, you gotta save my philosophy, professor. Stop, okay? I've fucking... Let's be very clear that Camusian philosophy and this podcast in and of itself and my lectures in class are not intended to be, you know, they're not meant to be rallying cries for why we should all just go fucking off ourselves. They're meant to be the exact opposite. This is life affirming philosophy. It's telling us reasons why you shouldn't. But in order to have the reasons why you shouldn't, you first got to ask the questions why you should. Like, why should I continue living? What the fuck is the point? And after you ask that question, then and only then can you give the reasons as to why you should, in fact, continue living, right? So this is where this Camusian character is coming from. Like, what is the fucking reason not to commit suicide, okay? Now, this question, okay, arises when we, according to Camus, we stop deceiving ourselves and we began to see the world without any preconceived illusions. Now, what is an example of a preconceived illusion? I'm going to use a Nietzschean interpretation here, not by accident, because I also find that Camus is heavily influenced by Nietzsche. Whether there's academic scholarship to back that shit up, I don't fucking care. I made the connections on my own, right? And I'm telling you, one of the biggest connections, at least for the Nietzschean sense, is going to be what Nietzsche is going to refer to as this slave morality. 
we've been brainwashed essentially with these European Christian values and that those Christian European values shield us from the reality of existence. What's the reality of existence? That we live in a cold and fucking indifferent universe that is hostile to our existence. I fuck a lot. I fuck around. I fuck with that Joe Rogan podcast a lot. I'm sure many of you people listening to this do too. And one of my favorite shits that he's always talking about is the impending asteroidal impacts, right? That shit makes me laugh so hard, man, because it's fucking true. Like he's so terrified of it. Uh, me personally, a little personal insight into my life. I'm a OGT, original tool gangster fan, right? Uh, and <laughs> I'm praying for rain, man. I'm praying for mayhem, right? The whole Armageddon, oh, what is it called? Um, ah, shit, the song fucking escapes me at this point, but I want to see the ground give way. Tool, right? It's talking about, yeah, man, like the, the inevitable fucking uh, apocalypse, the end of the world. Like some people are afraid of it, but some of us fucking welcome it, right? So when I hear Joe Rogan talking about the asteroidal impact, I'm like, yo, how dope would it be to fucking live through an asteroidal impact, the likes of which the dinosaurs experience, for instance, right? Um, and unfortunately for many people, that's like, what the fuck? I was like, how can you fucking say shit like that? Like, that's fucked up. You have family, you have loved ones, you yourself. Like I have family, I have loved ones. And you're fucking sitting here telling me that you wish the fucking astral impact would hit. To which I would say, hey, man, like, fuck, dude, it is what it is, bro. Life again, hearkening back to the fire and blood podcast. I, I have yet to find a reason for why we should uh, maintain that it's intrinsically valuable. And more importantly, as we've already established with this fucking um, you know, this dynamic nature of Tlaktipak, it's fucking fleeting. We're all going to go one day or another, bro. It's just, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of fucking when, right? It doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't bring me happiness, especially when I start to consider that there may fucking well be nothing after this. Like this might be it, right? Uh, I get a lot of flack. Uh, not as much anymore, but especially when I was younger, when I would out myself as a, as a definitely not a Christian, right? Whether or not God exists, that's a complete different, that's fucking, that's, that question is completely separate from whether religion exists, right? Religion, we know for a fact exists, right? And the most comforting aspect of, again, this Christian religion is the idea of an afterlife, an eternal life, right? And obviously, if you're not a Christian person, the idea of an eternal life does not fucking register. So... You know, the idea of you know, this life being the only one that we have, it, it's precious. It makes it precious. The, 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 you know, the fact that we're going to die, it makes, at least for people like myself, maybe even for you, it makes us be able to hopefully enjoy this experience that we have here. And when we don't, it leads a little bit to the sad boy life, right? Uh, because we know that it's going to be taken away from us, right? But, you know, the slave morality would have us believing that, no, 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 life is everlasting and this is just a, a part of the phase and all you have to do is be a good Christian and you'll make it to heaven. And even if the asteroid does hit, it's okay because everything will be fine. You'll return back to heaven. You'll be with your family and your loved ones for all of eternity. Maybe, man. Or maybe that's exactly the kind of fucking preconceived illusion that this Camusian character is talking about. These comforting ideas. Hey, you know what? You know what your purpose of an American citizen is, bro? You fucking work nine to five, five days a week for 40 years. Then you retire and you get yourself a pension or a gold watch and you fucking make your life better for your family than it was for you. That's the meaning of life. That's the purpose of life. And that's all you should be concerned with. Maybe. But you realize that that whole structure of work and nine to five and capitalism and all that kind of shit, man, it's a human structure. We created that shit. It's not real in the natural world. It doesn't exist. You don't see fucking chimps, you know, punching the clock and collecting their paychecks, right? Now, obviously, that's what we refer to in philosophy as the naturalistic fallacy, assuming that just because something happens in nature, that it should be replicated in, the, in, in our human behaviors. But I mean, 
The naturalistic fallacy comes with a, a whole different slew of problems, right? And chief among which being the fact that, well, what part of nature doesn't impose itself onto our human activities, right? Because, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole and ask ourselves, well, what's the whole point of working? If you ask ourselves, honestly, we're going to acquire resources to do what? To try to attract a mate if you want to take the, you know, uh, evolutionary psychological perspective, or if you just want to keep a roof over your head because you don't want to die, et cetera, right? Whatever the case might be, we realize that this natural world obviously is going to impact and influence a lot of our life. So when it comes to this fucking, you know, uh, this idea, this preconceived notion is maybe, yeah, maybe the point is to work or maybe that's just some fucking distraction that we've allowed ourselves as humans to be corralled into because facing the reality of existence, namely the fact that none of that shit fucking matters, is vastly vastly more haunting and terrifying than you fucking having to work we all of us having to work a nine to five job for 40 years of our lives knowing full well that it's fucking meaningless and pointless anyways right that's what we're talking about when we talk about these preconceived illusions the illusion that our jobs matter the illusions that how much money we fucking have matters it matters in a capitalist society no question right but on the cosmic fucking scheme of things, the universe don't give a damn who's a billionaire, who's a trillionaire and who's fucking barely getting by. Right. That's a preconceived illusion. That's something that we personally created. The universe don't give a fuck whether LeBron James is happy with his new fucking basketball coach. Right. The universe don't care about shit. And, you know, us, us, you know, collectively coming together and uh, saying that it's something of importance. That's a preconceived illusion, man. Right. So once we stop to see the once we stop seeing the world in terms of these preconceived illusions, right, we we start to realize like, yo, what the fuck? Seriously, what is going on here? It's what what is life? Yo, like I was kind of just thrown into this earth. I was told that I was a human being. And on top of being told that I'm a human being, I was told that I was an American. I was told that I was a, a male. I was told that I was straight, that I was gay, that I was black, that I was brown, that I was whatever, right? All these different illusions, preconceived notions of what it is all in an effort to try to make sense of this reality that we're currently experiencing. Despite the fact that we know there is ultimately no meaning and purpose to doing so. Right. So from there, we get this idea that Camus is going to want to tell us because of how daunting and haunting this fucking realization is that many of us, we'd rather just live our entire lives and die without ever seeing things for how they actually are. Right. And how things actually are. Well, the way that I just explained now is but a fucking it's just a small dose. I'm sure you already have plenty of experience with the way reality is. And if you don't, I mean, shit, man, it's only going to open itself up more if you continue to fucking listen to this podcast series with me, right? It's a recurring theme, right? It's going to be one that we cover throughout the course of this fucking podcast series. If you take my classes, whether it be in the future or whether it be in the summertime coming up, I guess the future, it's not the summer semester, it'll start till next week, right? But it's something that we're going to cover many of times, whether it be with this, you know, theory of ideas, for instance, that questions our ability to even properly see the external world in the first place. Radical skepticism that's going to want to ask us, how do you know that you're even awake right now? And you're not just some fucking brain floating in a vat somewhere, right? All sorts of different questions that are going to ask, that are going to call into question our fundamental understanding of reality. And, you know, all in an attempt to just try to give some sort of meaning and purpose to this fucking life or more specifically meaning as to why I shouldn't just fucking put a bullet in my head now and get it over with. Right. So uh, in returning to this Camusian character for him specifically, uh, he, what he's concerned with is how our beliefs towards the world and thus uh, the ensuing results it has on our lives. So what I mean by that is he's going to want to argue that instead of seeing the quote unquote tragic nature of life, 
that we just waste our times. We just waste our time on this earth. And what he refers to as this stupid self-confidence, right? And the best way that I can possibly put it is by saying that despite the fact that we spend our lives in or near absolute despair in this absurd world, again, that's continuously, continuously frustrating our true human needs, okay? We mask this fact with forced optimism. This idea is not new. There are plenty of fucking philosophies and philosophers along the epochs of, you know, human history that have come to the similar conclusion that all around the world, men, women, all of us are living lives of fucking quiet desperation. And rather than fucking acknowledging that shit, we just fucking go along with this stupid sense of self-confidence and pretending that everything's okay. Right. This is the fucking blood and this is the heart and soul of fucking the Nahuatl philosophy, man. The, you teach the teacher of the face, the heart in the face. You make wise the continent, the countenance of the heart in the face. You reveal to people their true face. What is their true face? This person who is no longer able to hide behind the fucking delusions and the illusions that this fucking life is of any meaning or, uh, uh, or any sort of permanence, right? To make them realize, dude, you have fucking one shot to get this shit right. So you better fucking act right because if you don't, you're going to fucking waste it, man. And there's nothing more devastating than not being, than being rather that person who no longer has any fucking time to do anything about it, right? So in returning to this Camusian, at least the interpretation of this forced optimism, okay, it manifests itself. This is, you know, another, this is just my, re, my iteration, but my podcast. So here we go. Right. Uh, whether it, it, whether it's us rooting for our favorite fucking sports team, right. Whether it's staying in these unfruitful relationships or jobs. Okay. Whether it's us concerning ourselves with the inconsequential events that we have no fucking control over. Dude, I'm telling you, you, it's going to take a lot for me personally to get out to vote in the fucking next coming election. I'm just going to be honest with it. And it's not because I don't care about who the president is. It's not because I'm unaware of how fucking impactful a presidency can be. Just look at what's happening now with the current presidency to see just how fucking important it is. Right. But at the end of the day, man, I understand full well that in the cosmic scheme of it all, the absurdity of it all, it's fucking pointless, man. The universe again does not care who the fucking president is. Right. It's all inconsequential. Now, before I continue, I, I guess I should qualify by saying I could see how for many it would be seen as how this is a very fatalist philosophy, fatalist in the sense that, well, what's the point of doing anything if everything is fucking meaningless and pointless, right? But again, I caution against falling into such a reading as the intention of this fucking uh, specific philosophy is not to be defeatist or fatalist in nature so much as it is to be fucking inspiring, affirming in nature, right? Now, this might seem a little fucking weird because on the one hand i'm saying fucking nothing matters but on the other hand i seem to be implying that since uh, uh since nothing matters that you should fucking go off and do whatever the fuck you want and that's basically what it's going to fall down to right now it's not necessarily to go off and do whatever the fuck you want because again another recurring theme in the history of philosophy surprise surprise i wonder what the connection could be if any right is that this Camusian character himself was a pacifist. And when he says, it's not a fucking carte blanche to just go off and fucking do anything you want. In fact, the absurdity itself is the primary cause as to why people are falling into this ethno-nationalism that fucking always manifests itself in terrible war and murder and genocide, right? That's not what they want, though. Instead of falling for that, it's kind of like this rally cry to get us to understand, yo, 
life is fucking meaningless. It has no purpose. So don't compound that fact by fucking causing needless suffering on other people. They're already fucking suffering enough. They're suffering in the realization that this shit does not fucking matter. So on top of not fucking mattering, you're making them suffer as well. Like, come on, man. Like, there's no need for that. In fact, we should be working for the exact opposite, if anything. <clears throat> Another water break. Sorry for the cough as well, right? So going back to this Camusian philosophy, right? Oh, man, it's, it's tough to talk about for me specifically, but I'm sure it's definitely tough to, to listen to. But, you know, going, um, I can't say going back because I haven't really talked about it too much. But when we do get there, inevitably, to the Nietzschean philosophy, it's necessary, man. I know I've touched upon it briefly, but it's necessary to acknowledge these kinds of things because only in acknowledging them do we make our spirit stronger and more resilient to the reality of living in this fucking cold and hostile universe that is entirely indifferent to our existence, right? So, yeah, you know, uh, the one that really kills me is this idea that we can have control over anything other than our own lives. And even then, our own lives are always at the whims of external forces, right? But the one that really, really, really kills me is the ones that I get in my classes, my students specifically, who are in there for no other reason than because the societal forces are just fucking filtering them through the philosophy class or any other class. I know me personally, there's so many classes that I don't remember throughout my entire academic career. And I was there for no reason other than, you know, I was just a cog in the machine and realizing how much time I wasted in those classes, knowing full well that it's time I'll never get back. Like that shit, fuck man, that, 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 that's a real bummer, yo, right? And to realize even more difficultly as this Camusian character is challenging us is that whether we recognize it or not, whether it's implicit or uh, implicit tacitly, right? That the universe, again, in our place, it's ultimately meaningless. So that classes that we take, the relationship that we're in, the jobs that we're in, I mean, it, it doesn't fucking matter, man. So now we're going to have to come to this question, like obviously in the future, not now, you know, I'm going to take my time with this philosophy. I don't even realize, but I'm already at the fucking 35 minute mark, which means I got about 20 minutes or so. And rather than rush through it, I'm going to continue to take my time with it. Maybe even make this a little series. We're learning as we go. Okay. I didn't fuck. I had the intention to come in here and read you off fucking about 20 pages worth of fucking lecture notes that I prepared for this particular podcast. But obviously, you know, um, it's more important for me to take our time and deconstruct this and actually allow it time to process and realize just exactly what they're fucking trying to say, right? So no particular rush to get through it. So with that said, we'll get back to the whole fucking idea that these unfruitful jobs, relationships that we're in, like, yo, if we already know that the universe doesn't fucking care about whether our joy or happiness that we experience in such a situation, why are we going to fucking put ourselves in a position where we feel compelled to be, or we're beholden to the constructs that society tells us, for instance, are expected of us, of a relationship, for instance, or of an employee, knowing full well that what you fucking do in that relationship or in that job is of fucking irrelevance, right? Now, again, this is not an excuse to fucking just go and be a fucking shithead boyfriend or girlfriend and fucking do whatever you want in a relationship. In fact, it's more of a challenge for, for you, for us, for all of us to take more control of our relationships, to seek to move beyond what we've been told a relationship is and move towards a better understanding of what a relationship can be. Again, it's not an excuse to be a shitty fucking employee, but rather it's a challenge to become a better fucking employee, right? And again, this isn't explicitly stated through his Camusian philosophy, but it's a, it, it's a, it's a, um, it's it's a derivative it's a derivation in the sense that ultimately you know going back to this whole fucking 
uh, trigger warning, if you will, not trigger warning, but you know, uh, you know, warning, I guess, of the suicide is he's going to ultimately say, no, we don't commit suicide because committing suicide is just a, it's a sign of weakness, right? It's a sign more importantly of giving into the absurdity of existence. So we don't commit suicide. But what then is the option? Well, we fucking rebel. We rebel against the meaninglessness. And how do we rebel against the meaninglessness? Well, let's fucking take ownership of our lives and find all the ways in which we're fucking lacking and faulting and fucking make it better, dude. Because if it's not making us better now, we're just suffering needlessly. Again, this universe that fucking doesn't care, right? So with that, this Camusian character goes on to argue that the more profitable, if you will, that this fucking false optimism is, the more entrenched we become in it, the more entrenched we risk becoming in it, right? So just, just consider, for instance, how many institutions are there that are ready, ready, they're fucking waiting to sell you a false conception of happiness, for instance. These quick fixes, this false conception of love, this false conception of joy, justice, wisdom, etc. right? Whether it be in the form of a pill, a lifestyle, a belief, right? As opposed to how many of these are there to tell you that the only way that you can cure yourself from this general fucking malice that we all experience is by confronting our inner fucking demons, most of which are probably spurned by the realization that it doesn't fucking matter, right? Turn on any television right now and there will be a commercial that is trying to sell you an alcoholic beverage, a brand new car, a lifestyle of some sort, right? With the promise that doing so will make you happy. I apologize again. I've been feeling a little bit under the weather and not just the sad boy shit, but also a little bit of a cold. So if I keep taking extended breaks, I really do apologize, right? So with that said, we moving right along to this idea that this isn't by mistake is what this Camus character is going to want to tell us, okay? He's going to argue that this self-deception has become the dominant mode of being for many of us. So what that means is we want to be lied to. We, we're seeking some sort of distraction from the absurdity of existence, right? And in this distraction, we, we kind of lose sight. We kind of lose track of who we really are as people, right? <clears throat> we look in the mirror, for instance, and we generally, genuinely have no fucking clue of the person that is staring back at us, right? And not even able to meet the most fundamental of needs. I'm going to take a quick break. Pause. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Again, I'm telling you, little fucking illness. Hopefully you can't hear it too bad. Uh, I'm going to try to get through his, uh, the remaining 20 or so minutes of this podcast before I wrap this bitch up. But the general gist of what we're talking about, at least for today, is how, again, uh, we want to be deceived. We want to be deceived, right? It's the dominant mode of living for many of us. And we, again, extrapolating from here, this idea is that basically we look into the mirror at times and we genuinely, genuinely have no fucking clue who the person is that is staring back at us, right? And we're unable to meet even the most fundamental needs that that person, you, me, desires, right? And what that means essentially is that in place of things like actual self-love, actual fucking self-care, these dominant modes of becoming one uh, is one of self-destruction instead, right? And what is most painful is that we justify this behavior by appealing to the actions of others. Now, again, this is where you'll see a little bit of the Nietzschean influence, come, what I perceive to be as the Nietzschean influence coming through on this Camusian character. But when we really start getting deeper into the Nietzschean philosophy, we'll see just how he refers to it first as the slave mentality, the herd mentality now, right? This idea that we as people, we look to those around us to justify our actions and behaviors and that 
most of us don't want to push ourselves to be what we are capable of being and that we seek to justify our laziness, for instance, our bitch assness, if you want to use some hood philosophy for it, right? To <clears throat> we, we justify others doing the same as a reason for us to feel comfortable to be, you know, weak and powerless, etc. And when anyone ever tries to transcend this fact, the slave mentality, the herd mentality seeks to bring them down. Okay. Because when they, when they, when they transcend, when they overcome, it makes us feel uncomfortable and it makes us realize all the personal shortcomings that we have. And in turn, all the ways that we are failing and that we could possibly be doing better, but don't because to live the illusion is always preferable to the reality. And that basically what that person is doing is jeopardizing that fucking, that fake reality that, that that is keeping us so comfortable and complacent these judeo-christian values if you will right so <clears throat> as we will see then in appealing to the uh, actions of others the problem is that they're every bit as alienated and they are every bit as estranged from themselves as we are right and because of that we perpetuate this fucking vicious cycle of self-destructive behavior that inevitably comes to be considered the quote unquote norm, right? So the best example that I can give you is, well, obviously I've given you the one of the work, right? Where we fuck everybody's working for the weekend type shit. And so you, you go through the, the, the nine to five Monday through Friday deal. And then when the weekend does come, well, what the fuck do we do on the weekend? Well, it's pretty fucking obvious. We go out, we get drunk, we do drugs, we get laid if we're lucky, right? We eat unhealthy. We fucking just live this life of complete chauvinistic hedonism that has actual no meaning or value, right? We're living just for the thrills of the escapades, right? <clears throat> Doing shit like going to college and not even knowing why, just because, you know, that's what we do when we're 18 years old and all that kind of shit, right? But if we're returning back to this Camusian philosophy, what he's going to want to argue is that none of that is fucking, none of that is meaningful, dude. You don't need any of that, right? Now, this is interesting. I don't want to say that you don't need any of that because he makes Camusian characters quite the char the, he was quite the, uh, the ladies' gentleman, right? He's quite the charming gentleman. Um, and he has a whole section of his book, The Myth of Sisyphus, dedicated to the Don, uh, the Don Juan, the lover of all women, right? So it's not necessarily that it's a waste of time, so much so that what the basic idea is that we are depriving ourselves of our fundamental needs in doing so. Namely, right, <clears throat> the, what we need is clarity and understanding and the need for social warmth and contact. Those are the most important things that we need, right? We need clarity and understanding and social warmth and contact. But unfortunately, again, we live in a world where these simple needs are not only not met, but many times they're actually discouraged, right? They're not really encouraged either. So the best way that I can give you, obviously, is because as a teacher, it's the one that I fucking am the most passionate about, is just look at how many blatant lies, for instance, are perpetuated in the very classrooms that we sit in, right? Let alone how little we know about life in the universe as a whole. I have a whole lecture in development or podcast, I guess, as well dedicated to all the shit that I wish I would have learned in schools. But I mean, you went through school, you probably are going through school and you already know the whole fucking vastness of the universe is always more interesting than learning this fucking bullshit ass history that we fucking, the history one is obviously super important to me. Right. And yet don't learn about it. Learning how to relate to one another on a more personal level, critically important. And yet we don't learn about it. Learning better ways to communicate and interact with our loved ones, our community members, etc. This is the most important thing that could help uh, make actual tangible changes to our life here right now. And yet we don't learn that kind of shit, right? Furthermore, 
that remains the fact that we have no sufficient reason as to why things happen the way uh, one particular way and not another. This matter of contingency is one of huge importance in the existential tradition of philosophy. And Camus himself is not necessarily, not at all, actually, I should say, he doesn't consider himself an existentialist. But this idea of contingency is one that, you know, it, it circulates back and forth between the absurdity and existentialism. And the basic idea is that just because life is this way right here, right now, doesn't mean it has to be this way. In fact, it's just basically this way out of, it's kind of just an accident. The chips just fell where they fell and there was no teleological purpose. There was no driving force as to why the things are as they are. And because they are this way, it definitely means that they can be another if we so desire, right? So as for the human warmth and contact, we, he's going to want to argue that we mostly live these lives of solid, we live these solitary existences, right? In which relationships are more a matter of convention than they are of actual mutual care and understanding. So this is where I'm going back to this whole idea of be, of a challenge to become better partners, right? It's not a fucking excuse to go off and be fucking unfaithful to your partner. No, man. In fact, if that's what you think a relationship is, you should fucking do both of you all the favor of fucking leaving that relationship as fucking, fucking painful as it might be. Because again, you're not ultimately doing yourself or the person you're with any favors in this fucking meaningless and hostile fucking universe. Okay. So much as you're just abiding by these conventions that you're told that help maintain this illusion of normalcy for reality. Okay. There's no mutual care and understanding in that. So we ask ourselves, for instance, honestly, ask ourselves, why are we married? Right. Or why you even want to get married in the first place? Consider if you will, like the historical forces that, you know, that led to the development of marriage in the 21st century here in the United States of America and measure your perceived level of success and happiness in a relationship and your ability to live up to this standard. So what is the historical roots? Again, another forthcoming lecture and podcast, but basically it's to populate the country and to control the people and make sure that we're able to populate the country so that we can take it over. Right. And then from there, you get the whole control of women's bodies, which is obviously still very much an issue still here to this day. Okay. So, for many of us, again, the inability to live up to these arbitrary standards that turn results, right, uh, that they frustrate us. They frustrate our essential human needs, which, again, in turn, results in nothing more than this much to hope for happiness being frustrated and ultimately becoming nothing more than misery and despair. Now, when I say frustrated in the philosophical tradition, it's just a fancy way for saying we're unable to meet it. So we have these standards and marriage is just one of them, right? But the job, maybe you have this fucking job that you're working at and you feel that you should be higher up the fucking ladder or that you could have done something better with your life, right? But you're not. And because of that, it's fucking causing you so much anger and misery and sadness. I know that's the case for me all the fucking time. Hence the whole sad boy shit, right? It's one thing to say sad boy life, but it's another thing to actually start discussing all the ways in which the sad boy life manifests. But when I take an honest step back and reflect on it, I realize that my sad boy life, at least from the work instance, for example, stems namely from my inability to live up to an arbitrary fucking standard, right? Where I am in life is it's, it's, it's always only uh, the, the failure or the success that I perceive my life to be is always only ever that it's a perception on my behalf. And I guess perhaps if you're somebody who allows for the perceptions of other people to influence your, you know, not only course of actions of behavior, but your own personal uh, happiness or uh, unhappiness, then I guess what they would measure the success of your life to be as well. But all of that is fucking arbitrary. It's a matter of contingency. It's something that we collectively as humans have made up. And thus, realistically, the only meaning and value that it has 
is that which we give to it. So realistically, when I get down on myself, right, the little sad boy life about where I am and where I thought I would be, all I'm saying is that I am falling victim to what other people fucking think that I personally should be doing with my life and where I should be with my life and how much more valuable I would be if I was there with my life. But ultimately, that shit does not fucking matter. Because again, I'm going to keep saying it at however many, you know, lecture series this particular uh, podcast takes, but in different universe that is completely fucking hostile to our existence to begin with and can give a fuck less how much money you have, what your job title is, any of that shit. It's fucking irrelevant, right? So why are we wallowing in this fucking misery and despair knowing full well that it's ultimately meaningless and purposeless, essentially, okay? So maybe, maybe, right, we're miserable in in a state of despair because we can't find a partner. Or maybe we're in a misery in a state of despair because we're, again, we're in this terrible relationship and we can't find a way out. Or because our job sucks and we want a better job. We want better money, more money, whatever. These are all arbitrary standards. They may very well be nothing more than this fucking negative programming that's keeping you and me and so many of us from being happy, right? And that in turn, the only way that we can ever truly achieve the understanding and warmth that we fucking all desire is by undoing ourselves from all of these negative connotations that we have personally associated with them. So what do I mean by that? Like, Hey man, maybe, maybe you could be doing better in your fucking relationship or maybe relationships are not your fucking thing. Maybe you could be doing better at your job or maybe the fucking how high you climb up in your job is really irrelevant, right? Whatever the case might be, you might fucking introspect and find that both of those shits mean so much to you. But until you actually do that, there's really no meaning and purpose behind it, right? And what could be possibly more painful than, again, operating behind, again, going back to the beginning of the podcast when I said the catalyst for our actions and behavior. What if the catalyst for our actions and behavior is meaninglessness and purposelessness? Then that just means that everything we're fucking doing is meaningless and purposeless on top of the fact that the universe, again, doesn't give a fuck about what we're doing. So all of the joy and misery and unhappiness and pleasure that all those actions that are, you know, catalyzed by meaningless and nothingness on top of the fact that they're ultimately meaningless and worth nothing, who cares? Right? So we got to sit back and ask ourselves like, yo, is this some shit that I really do value? Is this some shit that I really do want controlling my life? Is this some shit that I should actually be uh, committing so much of my life and energy to? Or is it something that, you know, it's just kind of this illusion that is helping keep me from realizing just the painful fucking truth of reality. And that is that it's all meaningless and purpose, purposeless, right? So again, this obviously requires an immense, immense amount of work that many of us, unfortunately, are unwilling to engage. And I know that was the case for me for the first fucking 30 years of my life, man. I didn't want to fucking do this work. In fact, I used where I was in life to justify not having to do any of this work. Okay. Where I was in life, I was 27 years old, fucking teaching at a community college. Like I thought that was awesome. And because of that, I didn't have to fucking do any of the deep introspective work that I've been, you know, in the process of doing in the past two years that has led me to doing this fucking podcast in the first place, which is terrible because had I not done so, Dude, I was a fucking mess back then. And the fact that I was, you know, I know I mentioned it before, a fucking college professor did not take away from the fact that I was a broken fucking person. I'm still a broken person, but now I'm in the process of recovering my existence, which 
is ultimately going to be the whole point of this Camusian philosophy. We rebel in an attempt, not just Camus, but plenty of these philosophies, man. We rebel in an attempt to recover our existence, right? But obviously that shit is a lot easier said than fucking done, right? And unfortunately, despite, you know, the potential, potential, I'm not going to sit here and say that it is absolutely fucking worth it because guess what? It might not be, right? But it has the potential to be this fucking beautiful thing in your life, right? So many of us are unwilling to engage in it, right? And very few people like to see how pathetic we truly are, all right? And unfortunately, despite this inclination that we have to believe that ignoring our shortcomings is going to allow us to deal with, uh, you know, it's going to allow us to lead this more productive life, ultimately, in the end, it does nothing more, right, than weaken us, right? Because at the end of the day, well, unfortunately, those problems don't go away. They're fucking always there. And unless we confront them and deal with them head, you know, head on, they're not going to go anywhere. We can distract ourselves with whatever kind of fucking, you know, fleeting pleasure that we can, you know, that, that we personally find ourselves uh, oriented towards, but that doesn't take the fucking pain away. In fact, it just numbs the pain. The pain stays, the pain remains, the pain will always be there until, you know, we fucking heal until we allow it, until we allow it to heal. Right. And the most devastating part of it is that there's only so much time to do so. We are finite beings. There is an infinite amount of possibilities in this life, but there are only a finite, there's only a finite amount of time for all of us to do it. And as we progress later through these podcast series, we're going to realize one of the most detrimental and devastating things is the realization that we don't even know how much time we have. We like to keep telling ourselves, for instance, oh, I'll fucking do it next week. I'll do it next month, next year for sure. This summer ain't feeling to be the summer I'm feeling to right? Or to terribly quote Kanye, next summer, I ain't feeling to say next summer, I'm feeling the, right? You could, we could live this whole life and say, oh yeah, for sure. Next week, I'm going to do that one thing that I know full well that I should do. And that I haven't done it yet. It's fucking terrible. But for sure, next week, I'm going to do it because I'll have more strength and courage then. I'll fucking quit that terrible job. I'll fucking cut off that terrible toxic person from my life. I'll fucking do that one thing that I'll pick up the guitar and learn how to play it, whatever it is that we've always wanted to do, right? But we might not be here next week, man. That shit's not fucking promised. We just have this moment right here, right now. And the more that we keep belaying the process, the more time we're fucking wasting, the more time we're just giving away to the meaninglessness and hopelessness of it all, right? So again, we have this fucking, you know, we spend our entire existence seeking essentially to distract ourselves, okay, from the very fact that you know, this shit is fleeting and what we do with it actually fucking matters. And, you know, and it doesn't matter in the cosmic scheme of the universe, but it matters to the quality of your life here while we enjoy it. Okay. So we justify rather our actions by appealing to the general consensus in society, only again, to be quietly suffering on the inside at the very end, unable to relate to anyone else, not because others can't relate because again, I am not the only one that is dealing with a sad boy life. There's a lot of us, right? Some of you might be good. Cool. Good for you. Right. But there's plenty of us sad boys and sad girls out there in the world who are fucking quietly suffering. And we can't relate, not because we're unable to relate in the sense that there's the, that, you know, only I alone am suffering or only you alone are suffering, but rather because all of us, rather than acknowledge this suffering, are seeking to just maintain the facade. Like, no, nah, everything's good, bro. I'm good. I'm not suffering. I'm fine. Look, look at me. I got a nice job. I got a nice car. I got a nice house. I have all this. Maybe, man. Or maybe that's just a fucking facade to keep other people from realizing like, yo, 
This person is fucking in pain. This person is fucking suffering. And so am I. And I could, if I could just reach out and fucking, you know, reach out and touch fate. This is a very musically oriented podcast, right? Uh, they're all, all going to be like this. They should, I'm pretty sure they have all been from the very beginning, right? But this one really, you know, letting it influence the music and all. Anyways, the point that I'm trying to say, ultimately, I'm going to go ahead and cut this here because I'm at the hour, I'm at the hour long mark. I've only gotten through three. I guess through four pages, that's not bad. Four out of fucking like what, 20 pages? That's not bad, right? Um, but before I get to the end point, I guess I just want to finish it with this. Fucking suicide in the United... It's all around the world, man. Suicide is on the rise, but it's definitely on the rise here in the United States of America. And it's definitely among the rise... Uh, it's definitely on the rise among young, young teenage women and elderly men, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with issues of the absurdity of existence. You can have all the material wealth, but if we have none of the happiness that we as humans naturally desire, it doesn't fucking matter what we have, man. Okay. We all desire love and happiness, right? And if we don't have that in its truest form, it doesn't fucking matter what we have, right? Um, as far as the issue of suicide is concerned, again, it's a very serious fucking issue, not just in philosophy, but definitely in this podcast. I'm not trying to make light of it in any way, shape or form. And I'm definitely not trying to fucking condone it right? I'm not going to condemn it, but I'm fucking absolutely for fuck sure not going to condone it, right? I'm not going to condemn it because I don't want to shame anybody who is listening to this, who has had somebody in their life that has experienced it, who has gone through with it, or maybe, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not here to shame anybody. We're fucking all in this shit together, right? But I'm not going to, you know, I'm definitely not going to condone it. Uh, what I am going to say is that for those of us who haven't yet fucking pondered the question of suicide, I, it's more of a challenge, not even to say, but it's more of a challenge to Take a step back and consider just how much of our habits and our tendencies have developed to deal with the pain of existence as opposed to how much of it has been developed in an attempt to actually conscientiously confront it. So what I mean by that is, that, yo, it's about to be the weekend, man. I'm recording this podcast on a Thursday. It most likely won't be up until Friday morning. But even here in El Paso, we know damn well the weekend started fucking on Tuesday, yo. So Thursday night, somebody, this whole city, the most, not the whole city, that's fucking hyperbole, but a large fraction of the city going to be out in the club fucking getting lit, right? Some of us, most of us going to be at home getting lit. And I just challenge you. I challenge you. Like, what? why are we doing this behavior? Is the fucking impetus, is the catalyst for this behavior because you're actually seeking to enjoy your time in this life and all that kind of shit? Or is it because you're fucking conscientiously seeking to mask some deep underlying pain that all of us are fucking experiencing? Because if it is the former, fucking awesome, dude. Live your life to the fucking fullest and enjoy your shit. But if it is the latter, addiction, recovery, relapse, right? It's not going to fucking heal until we acknowledge it for what it is, right? And the best thing that we could possibly do is do so while there is still time because inevitably we realize that there's only so much time on this fucking earth that we all have. Galactic back, baby, this fleeting nature of reality. And the more time that we give away to that fucking negative force, this plague, if you will, of our, of our life, the less time that we have to possibly be happy, which is fucking terrible considering that in the end of it all, it is all fucking meaningless and pointless. So yeah, again, I want to apologize for all the fucking breaks that I had to take. My voice is a little bit bad. Hopefully for the next podcast, it'll be better. Um, but if not, if it wasn't too much of an issue, fuck yeah, dog. That's what's up. I ride with you, right? Uh, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast again. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you don't, feel free to let me know. Try to fix a little something, something, make it a little bit more pleasurable to you. 
Until then, I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you.